Hello and welcome. I am Tim Hutchings, and this is the EMF Podcast. We're finally back with a brand new episode featuring Stephanie Scott, a paramedic who I went through schooling with. I've known for a few years now. She's got a great outlook on EMS, and I really hope you enjoy the episode. So let's dive right in. Cool. All right. So I start them all the same way. Who are you? I am Stephanie Scott. Hi, Stephanie Scott. Welcome. Hi, Tim Hutchins. Uh, what do you do? Who, who <laughs> are you? Tell me about yourself. Who am I? Isn't that a huge question? So EMS-wise, I'm a paramedic part-time at this point. A um, couple days a week right now. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, I'm wrangling children and various pets and... <laughs> You know, playing the the mom and the wife and all that. Yeah. How long have you been in EMS? So I was thinking about this. It's a weird question for me to answer. So I was, I had my first certification in 2004. Um, I got that through the military as the combat medic. The time I was in 91 Whiskey, I don't, I think it's it's a completely different number now. It changes. I'm that old. (laughs) I'm three camo prints ago. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so 2004 that was that the first switch to digital then no, no uh i was actually woodland camo and black boots for the first few years that i was in mm-hmm. and then we switched to yeah that acu print and that has since gone to the wayside so yeah i'm, I'm that old <laughs> um so i picked up an nremt through that um had it for a little while did a brief stint of volley time and then uh couldn't afford <laughs> to be an EMS. Mm-hmm. It was, I was National Guard, so I was home, but um, the pay was just so low, and I was living on my own, so I couldn't afford it. Um, was this in the Rochester area? Yeah, I, so I uh, lived in the 10th Ward growing up, moved to Greece uh, for high school, kind of stayed in the Greece-Charlotte area, uh, and at that time I was living in Charlotte and um, Tried to, like I said, did a little bit of volunteer time, and then I started doing uh, full-time orders for the National Guard, and my cert expired, and then I got married and had kids and all that, and then uh, in 2016 is when I actually got my basic back. Um, I did a full class because it had been so long. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to try and do a refresher. (laughs) Everything had changed so much. I mean, 13 years is a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So got my basic back and then did some time at AMR, went to GVA, you know, moved on over to CHS. Yeah. And then... Did my paramedic with you? Yes, yeah, we were in paramedic class together. We we endured that. We did, and that's we about did. the time when everything was going yeah, haywire. The, the, in, the world went to to in, <laughs> that weird place that we yeah. spent some time in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, for a little background, uh, this is 2020. So not only are we dealing with COVID, but the job that both Steph and I had uh, working for an agency was. Uh, undergoing significant change, uh, and then eventually merged with another agency. Uh, so there was a lot of, a lot of flux, a lot of growth and change all in a very small period of time, all while dealing with the fact that the world was falling apart, (laughs) uh, outside of EMS, which was a a tremendous stress on EMS too. 
So we somehow survived all of that. We did. We did. And <laughs> uh, came out. Uh, and came out I, like decent providers, too. I, I, I'd I like would to like say. to say. I mean, I feel like, you know, we baptism fi- by fire. <laughs> yeah. You know, we had no choice but to figure it out and figure it out quick. Yeah. 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 It was uh, it was an interesting way to do things. That's for damn sure. Um I, I don't know that I would repeat it that way. I don't know if no. the, the, if I ever had to, to do a new certification, if I would pick <laughs> doing so during a pandemic. Right. But I'm also glad for the time that I uh, waited to become a paramedic. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. It's, it's worked out pretty well in the end. You were working as a basic. Yep. Why the jump to or paramedic? Um, it had always been in my plan. Actually, the the bigger picture, the the goal at the time that I've since grown out of, <laughs> we'll say, I wanted to be a flight medic. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was still in the National Guard, um, I was initially part of the Black Hawk Med. Well, at the time it was Huey's, but it was the medevac unit over on Scottsville Road. This was during Vietnam, right? <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. She's not that old. I'm guys. not I'm that sorry. old. No, 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 definitely not that old. Uh, but Vietnam era, a couple pilots actually yeah, were still flying oh, at that time, and Vietnam era aircraft. <laughs> um, I kind of, you know, was hoping to go that route military wise, but life just kind of prevented it time and time again. And then the time came after eight years and two kids that I, you know, I ended my service time. And so kind of left the thought process of being a flight medic and then briefly kind of got that bug again when I got back to EMS. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not doing this. Once I realized like the gravity of the skill set that a flight medic needs Mm -hmm. and I thought, no, no, I think I'm good doing this on four wheels. Yeah. Um, And and you more than most folks should know that helicopters crash. They... (laughs) That's kind of what they're designed to do. Yeah, they definitely don't <laughs> want to fly easily. Yes. Yeah. So um, I just decided that that, that maybe that was a, a good dream for past Stephanie <laughs> and that present Stephanie was good being just a, a road provider. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I always wanted to go to the paramedic level. Uh, found myself men- more times than not as a basic, not so much thinking I knew better than my ALS partners, but thinking... I would like the opportunity to do what they're doing, but maybe do it in my own way. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of providers that I think, as we all see, people get burnt out, and there's always room for a fresh yeah. view of the situation, and I wanted to be able to have that. And I think it's just, I mean, you know this, as it's, it's part of my nature. I tend to try and mother things and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> try and, you know, fix things. And so being a paramedic gives me the opportunity to have a little bit more hands in a situation. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of similar for me. There is, you know, I was a basic for 10 years before I took the jump and a lot of that was, you know, I was watching other providers and I'd gotten to a point where, again, I, I don't think I knew more than they did because I certainly didn't because the amount of stuff I learned in in paramedic class is just, I still can't quite believe that we pack all that information in. (laughs) Uh, But I I had gotten to a point where I was like, that doesn't seem like the right thing to do. Right. I want the opportunity to do the right thing or at least know why I'm wrong. Sure. And and if I am wrong, cool, but let's, let's figure out why that is Mm -hmm. and how we can, you know, do better for the patient. So, yeah, and then, you know, just taking the class, diving in and figuring all that out. Uh, 
and it, it really does help, you know, the system's kind of designed around paramedics too. You know? it so is. if you want to make significant change, unfortunately we look past BLS for a lot of things because of that certification. It's true. And it is unfortunate because there are some really, really talented BLS providers and that, that we all work with right. that I learn from every single time. Yeah. Uh, and I, I dislike seeing sometimes when BLS providers get overridden or the BLS providers get overlooked for so long that they just kind of fade yep. into the background. And, and it's, it's too bad because there, there's nothing, it's not a failure to not want to be no, paramedic. I don't think we I, need good basics. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> they, they, that's, it's a position for a reason. Right. We need them to stick around. Exactly. If they all became paramedics, that would be a problem. Exactly. If they all left because we didn't treat them right, that'd be a huge problem. Absolutely. So, you know, Absolutely. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things I always looked at. I early in my career, I got involved on in the, the management side of things. I just was kind of drawn to that. And there were times I was passed over for promotion simply because I wasn't a paramedic and that had nothing to do with the job. Mm -hmm. Like there's no reason I couldn't manage somebody because I was just a basic. Like, mm -hmm. the, the, right. The, the certification level did not line up to the job duties. And that always just baffled me because there are base, basics out there that are awesome at people. <laughs> and, well, and I think like, that, that sometimes there's a benefit to having somebody in a leadership role who can focus on those details mm -hmm. and not also have to focus on if they're an RSI provider, keeping up with those, keeping up with yep. ALS certifications, keeping up with all that other stuff. They can focus on those skills that they have that mm -hmm. they bring to the table so that an ALS provider can focus on being an ALS provider. Exactly. Yeah. And if it's a clinical care issue, that's not the basic, the, the basic manager's job to take care of then. Exactly. But you know, you have the right people in the right roles to, to account for that. So, so you got uh, six ish years then, right? Is that is that what we determined? Bef from my second cert into paramedic, yeah, yeah. just about about that. Yep. yep. And then just ab abundance of other types of EMS style experience through the military. Well, I wouldn't say an abundance. I'll be honest with you. I got my certification. I was in the medevac unit. However, my military duties kind of spread over more into an administrative side. Um, I, I had three different MOSs in the army by the time I was done after my eight years. So I really did, although it was kind of adjacent to the medical side, I did a lot more administrative stuff that was more managing things on the pilot side for like their hours and mm. things like that. Um, you know, communicate radio communications and things of that nature, um, in the midst of it, I had also, between getting out of the military and then going into the basic class, I tried civilian jobs. <laughs> <laughs> There's just something very different about the type of industry that we work in or being in a military position and then going into, you know, medical records. Yeah. Um, I did some retail time again you know I was an assistant manager for a local store I did all that stuff it just didn't speak to me yeah <laughs> it's I, I look back and I, I have no idea how I ever worked in customer service uh, <laughs> I mean I, we and do I think, customer service yes it is a lot absolutely. of what we do and and I think I'm a, a 
better than a lot when it comes to talking to patients and being nice, but like that, that fuse for the customer is always right is just yeah. gone. I, like, I don't know how I ever did it. I will say, <laughs> how I look at these people and just go, no, you're wrong. <laughs> I will say that I have definitely tapped into that, uh, that training that we all had at that cellular wireless company that we worked for, <laughs> that we all had to learn how to talk to a customer the right way. And I definitely have tapped into that. So I appreciate that, that education that I did have. <laughs> See, there is uh, there is some training I took away from that job that uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate and hold on to this day, but not a whole lot no. else. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a paramedic now. You've been I a paramedic have. for a few years. Yes, uh, most of that's been part-time. Yeah, uh, throughout class, you would think that during class I would have been working less on the road than I am now, uh, but as our industry drives, mm. uh, that was not the case. So I uh, worked full-time while we were in paramedic school, uh, worked full-time for the next two, I want to say two years, uh, and then with my husband being gone, I started to scale back my hours as we were kind of leading up to his deployment. And now while I'm kind of managing things on this side of the, the world and he's doing his thing, I'm down, a, you know, two or three, one or two princess shifts a week at this point, or yeah. princess shifts as we call them, <laughs> you know, normal eight hour shifts to the rest of the world yeah. is like an easy day for us. Yep. Uh, but I've been kind of picking those up just it's, it's easier to pick up an eight-hour shift knowing that will likely last 10 hours mm -hmm. than to pick up a 12-hour shift and risk it being 14 or 15 hours. Yep. So, uh, so with two teenagers at home, you know, I try to minimize the time that I'm not keeping everything in line. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's it's funny. Just yesterday, I, I looked at my partner. I, I was on the road last night, and I was getting off late. And, like, my last five shifts, I've gotten off late. And I, I only work once or twice a week on the ambulance. Right. So, you know, it, it's not a huge deal. But I looked at him and I was like, man, this job would be great if I got out on time. Ever. <laughs> right. You're like, and it's, I didn't have anywhere to be. But it was just like my shift ends at 11. I want to go home at 11. <laughs> yeah. That and it, it's also a very odd experience. Like the days that you do get out on time, I go to clock out and I'm like, wait. <laughs> should I should I leave now? Did I forget something? Let me just. <laughs> what am I going to do with these extra hours? I go into the duty office, officer's office, and I'm like, Sh it, um, "Are you good if I leave? Like, is it is it okay? Like, I feel like I'm doing something wrong leaving on time. Yeah, you know. And in any other job, in any other career, people are like, "See ya, yeah, dancing out, out the door." Five minutes early. <laughs> right. And here I am, like, "Is it okay? Are you sure? Can I go?" So yeah, it's a it's a weird experience to get out on time. Uh, I mean, this whole job is kind of a weird experience, isn't it? Like nothing yeah, about it is normal. Nothing about our job is normal. No. And, and nothing about the way that it makes you see the outside world. Mm -hmm. You know, like I absolutely will catch myself like having conversation with friends or family. And be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I saw. Never mind. You don't want to hear those details. <laughs> yep. That's not <laughs> something that you want to be a party to. Yeah. And, you know, I have to kind of start or, you know, I'll go and say something and relate it to something I saw at work. And then, oh, sorry. <laughs> Why is everyone looking at me like that now? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sometimes not appropriate for public use. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The times where I'm like just casually talking about, you know, some of the grosser Foul aspects things. of the jobs. And I'm like just eating dinner. And my wife's just staring at me like, well, that's 
disgusting. Why would you talk about that right now? I'm like, oh shit, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, you don't do this, huh? I think the first time it hit me, I was eating lunch while I was studying for I want to say it was my basic class, and I was sitting in a Moe's, and I was the tables were near like with a line where everybody gets their food, mm-hmm. and I had the book open, and there was like some gnarly trauma picture, and I'm just munching away, and I heard someone go ew. <laughs> And I look up and this person's looking over at the book and I was like, oh, I'm not normal. Yeah. (laughs) Because this doesn't phase me at like at all. There's parts and pieces and I'm like, here's my burrito. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, (laughs) I I vividly remember there was a there was an accident once that I attended. Uh, It was a pretty rad wreck. Uh, Motorcycles and stuff and. On a hot mic, there was a line of me saying, just somebody bring me the fucking leg. <laughs> and I and don't I, mean I, a turkey. Yeah, and I, and I said it like it was the most normal thing in the world. I was just annoyed that we didn't have the leg with the patient. And I think back on that, and I'm like, that's not a normal thing to say in any context. It's not, but it doesn't. It just rolled off the tongue yeah, like no big just, deal. Like, can just I came out. just have the leg, please? Yep. Yep. Like, I got I to gotta move this ambulance, and I don't have all of the parts in it. Right. <laughs> you know, you, you find yourself like, can somebody just hold this bone here for a second, please? I have to reach that. Like, yeah. You know, I, I, it's 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 those moments where you have to remember to be a human. Like, yes. you're working a code. And... For us, this is just a day at the office, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're going through how many rounds of CPR and you kind of know where it's going. Mm-hmm. And you find yourself having almost going to like, not idle conversation, but, you know, in the midst of doing things, like talking back and forth with people and thinking, oh, man, you know, his wife is over there. Maybe I shouldn't be talking about, you know, X, Y, and Z at this moment or smiling or not that you're smiling because of what's going on. It just, this doesn't phase you like it, it it does something Mm -hmm. else. Yeah. I I had a moment like that. It was early in my career. I I worked in the city for a couple of years and then I transferred over to Brighton ambulance and I was an officer there and we were working a code. It was in a, like a senior facility that wasn't Mm -hmm. like assisted living, just a place where a bunch of old people hung out. Uh, and somebody had passed. We worked it. And I'll never forget. I looked over and there were just because you get all of the resources. Right. You know, and there were a couple guys just standing around like waiting for their turn to do CPR. And they were just like talking about their day and like smiling and kind of like half laughing and like just in normal conversation. And not like, because you're callous, but like because this. this is just a skill that you have to yeah. utilize at some point. And I remember it really hit me because I looked up. I was like this feels wrong. Right. Like, it just doesn't feel right. And it, it really struck me because then when I turned around, family was there. I was like, oh, they're seeing us. Like, it, we're doing everything we need to do. Right. But it they were seems just an exercise so- hands, but it seems so just nonchalant and like, right. wow. Like, if I don't know how I would react if I was family and I saw that. Like, like we know that we're not being careless. We come by it honestly. Mm-hmm. However, from the outside perspective, you're like, oh, that's not a good look. Yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. You, you find yourself doing that. And uh, it, it's definitely one of those moments where you have to remember, like, the gravity of the situation that we work in and what's normal for us mm-hmm. is definitely not normal for the outside world. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a humbling moment at best. Yeah. 
so there's there's a guy we used to work with over at Greece, uh, Nick Nick Hallcraft. Uh-huh. Um, he I, I learned something from him early on when we first started working together, and it's something I've incorporated into my practice now. Is he really brought the humanity to calls, and that's why I really liked working with him mm-hmm. because he was just like a good person. Yes, and I, we worked the code once, and at the end, before we called it, he stopped. We all knew where it was going. But he asked everybody in the room, he was like, is there anything else we should do? And then everyone was like, no, we're, we're done. And he goes, all right, let's take a moment. And he just bowed his head, like, whatever you want to do. And we just, like, acknowledged that there was a dead person on the floor in front of us. A life passed in front of you. Yeah, and I was like, that's a really just powerful moment that we often are like, all right, clean up, let's get out, let's go. Right. And I was like, to take that 30 seconds to just be like, all right, let's just acknowledge the fact that we just gave our best shot. Right. To a fruitless effort and like really appreciate that this was a human at one point and this is like somebody loved this person mm-hmm. and then you know then start to clean up and, and move out. I was like that's just really I, I try to hold on to that and yeah. incorporate it in my practice now as a paramedic now that I'm the one running those scenes so that we don't lose that and, and you mentioned early in, in this this little. Uh, tangent and we've gone on here uh that you know the like the remaining a human how, yes. how do we remain human in this job like you know what, what are your skills for doing so so no secret i'm a talker and no, no secret that i am definitely the everyone was thinking it but i said it mm-hmm. person and while that's not always well received i think it's important to just kind of be real about things and like every once in a while to just kind of pause and be like wow that's really fucked up. Yeah. Like we just saw something and that's really messed up. Whether it's, you know, uh, a neglectful family member or a child that was ill or, or you know, just the fact that somebody had to die alone. Um or that, you know, whatever the the reason is, I think sometimes we are afraid to kind of tap into that. And I think there's, there's definitely, I think we all feel there's a shift from like the old school to the new school. Yes. And yeah. the old school was get over it, move on, go to the next call. It's their emergency, not yours. Fair. However, you can't unsee the things you see. Mm-hmm. And if you try to pretend like you didn't see them, they will rear their ugly head quickly. Yes, they will. Uh, you know, I had a very, um, I don't know how to word this. I had a call that really hit me hard very, very early in my career as basic in the city. Um, And, I mean, I've told the story time and time again to many people, but my first overnight shift, my first fatal house fire, my first pediatric code, and it was a mother and two children, and the children were similar age to mine, um, and... I was so deeply affected by not just what I saw, but what I heard, what I smelled, what I felt, and it bled over into my normal life for months after. I couldn't eat meat. Yeah. I couldn't, you know, be near a campfire. Um, anytime we got dispatched on a house fire or, you know, any sort of struck A, struck B, I froze 
And so I had to learn, I learned very early on that there are some people like, uh, my instinct is to talk about Mm -hmm. it and to kind of go over things and chit chat about it and and make it normal conversation so it doesn't hurt so much. And there were definitely people around me that were like, oh, this again? Yeah. Aren't you over that by now? No, I will never. And I don't ever want to be over that. I don't ever want to be over the fact that I saw that happen, that I got into an ambulance and could not remember how to drive. Um, and I think that that made me realize really quickly, I I have to talk about these things. I can't just close it off and move on to the next one because that's always going to be in the back of my head. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, what's kind of important is, is remembering that or learning that it's okay to talk about these icky things that happen because they did happen. Mm -hmm. You can't forget them. Right. And they will affect the way that you handle every job going forward, whether you want to admit it or not. And I don't think that the old school way of move on served anybody. No, no, I don't, I don't think so at all. I think all it did was deliver people to rehab um, (laughs) and to the cardiologist. (laughs) And so I think to avoid those things, you just, no, it's just like any other rot. You've got to get it out or it's going to fester. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny. I uh, Being involved on the admissions side of things for the paramedic program now and being involved in that program, I, I take part in the interviews for all the new students. And we ask, like, how do you handle the stress of the job? Like, it's, it's an important question. And so many people in that interview process say, oh, I'll just leave work at work. And it's my least favorite answer. Because right? it's a cop-out. It, it, well, yeah, and it's not possible. Right. <laughs> like, it's you just, can. It's impossible to just go home and be like, oh, yeah, no, nothing happened today. <laughs> <laughs> like, even on the most mundane shift, something's in your Something brain Something ridiculous like, went on. Yeah. It and, doesn't always have to be the horrific things. It could be the, you know, my yeah. patient reached in their pocket and pulled out their teeth. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like something is, go- is coming home with you. And I like if it does work for those people, I, I, one, I 100% believe it does not work for them. Right. But on the off chance that I'm wrong, because I've been wrong in the past. Once like, or twice. Once. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, on, on the off chance I am wrong, okay, you can leave it all there. How? How? how what? No. There's just... You, know, you don't drive by that house that just, right. like, remem- remi- reminds you of that? Or that part- portion of the highway where there's still a divot in the road from where right. the truck fell? <laughs> well, and I think there's, like, two ends of the spectrum, right? There's the person that this is, they have made this who they are. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is just as detrimental <laughs> as the person who, oh, I leave it at work, and that's yeah. that. Yeah. Because neither one of those ends are healthy. No. Because you have to be able to, because you can't process it. Right. Either you're so far into it that you can't process it, or you've compartmentalized it so much that you can't get into it. So you, you say talking about it's a big way for you to get it out. Are you talking about it with coworkers? Is it therapy? Is it friends? Is it people outside of EMS altogether? You know, how are you getting this stuff out? I always, I always think about when you have said for the longest time, like <laughs> my favorite Hutch quote was, I don't like people anyways. I don't want to hang out with you outside of work. <laughs> and when I first met you, I was like, man, what a jerk. Until I 
<laughs> learned you a little bit better and realized that, well, yes, you have friends outside of this industry and that's important to you. You also have a very big heart and you care about the people in this industry as well. Yeah. Uh, what I would typically mean when I say that, because I do say it all the time. Uh, it, 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 I think this type of person that EMS tends to attract is not somebody I would have ever hung out with if I wasn't in this business. Sure. Because uh, it's not who I am. Right. I, I don't consider myself an EMS person. Um, I think there's a very, like, stereotypical image that pops into my head when I think of EMSer, and I feel like I'm the exact opposite of that person. <laughs> <laughs> and I've also, like, I, I got into this a little bit later than a lot of people, so it wasn't my whole life. All of my friends and family, none of them are involved in medicine in any way, shape, or form. So it's like, when I'm around them, they have no idea what I do. I mean, you figure... To a point where it's kind of frustrating, because I'm like, you know I'm smarter than that, right? <laughs> like, but... <laughs> You know, it is, it's nice being able to just separate from that altogether. And that's where I find a lot of my comfort in this job is that, you know, I went to a concert the other day and it was with two guys that don't do this job. So we just went and had fun. Right. And I'd like, we didn't talk about EMS at all. It was kind of <laughs> nice. Yeah, what? I don't understand. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not as on when I'm around those people. Right. You know, like if I was out with a group of EMSers, I'd be looking at the exits a little closer and, you know feeling out the situation still do that to a certain extent but it's not it's as not in the forefront of your brain right right you know I, I I'm lucky enough that uh so my husband briefly before his current job is also National Guard he did a brief What's he do <laughs> I don't know if you know this but my husband's a pilot did you know that oh hutch <laughs> I've been making fun of Steph for years because she mentioned that her husband was a pilot once and I won't let it go. <laughs> I think you actually have a bit of a crush on the fact that he's a pilot and just like to play it off. Well, like I mean, yeah. <laughs> I've only met the guy once. He's a handsome dude. He's all right, you know. <laughs> Keep him around. Uh, so he did a brief stint as a basic uh, kind of in between uh, full-time gigs. Uh, so he understands that side of it. Um it was never something that he really intended on pursuing for a very long time. It was just kind of another, you know, thing to tuck under his belt and trying to figure out, you know, where he was going to end up. Uh, so that helps. Mm -hmm. I don't have to explain the world to him as I'm trying to work through things. Um, I have a lot of close friends that are in EMS, and I have a lot of close friends that are not. And, you know, the ones that are not, thankfully, I know I can – kind of talk to depending on what the needs are like if it's you know I dealt with a really upsetting pediatric call I've got mom friends that while they may not understand the EMS side of it they understand like the draw of being a mom and seeing somebody else's child hurt and, and things like that so you know it's it's I mean I'll talk who, to, to anyone that'll listen at this point <laughs> <laughs> I've spent the you last got ears come here <laughs> I've spent the last seven months in a house with two teenagers so any adult that I can interact with is a good time. Right. <laughs> well, I'm glad I could help you escape for a little bit today. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it just kind of depends on what the need is. I, I've done, I do therapy on and off. Um, not currently seeing a therapist at this point, but I'm in a good place. And mm -hmm. you know, when the time comes and I feel like okay, I'm kind of struggling, you know, I I, I kind of branch in that regard. Um, however, and I know this is something that you're kind of a huge proponent for though you weren't in the past. Um, <laughs> and, you know, going into therapy, I think as an EMS provider in this area, at least is tough because 
not only do you have to kind of explore what's on your mind, what's bothering you, what's stressing you, but you also have to explain. You have to lay the groundwork. You have to, you know, kind of, and it's even more frustrating if you have a provider that you haven't been seeing for a while. So you feel like you have to lay that groundwork every appointment. Um, And so that in itself, like, so I've, I've been doing this paramedic thing for a long time. And so now the brain is kicking. Right. And so I keep thinking like, what's next? Cause at 44, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Mm-hmm. I kind of hope I'll never figure that out. Yeah, me too. I'm, I don't want to get stuck. place I love, but I But there's always something, yeah, right. What if there's something cooler? <laughs> exactly. And so I've been toying around the idea of going back to school to, um, you know, maybe psychology, maybe social work, you know, something like that, because I know that there are other EMS providers in the area that have also had this thought process. And we all kind of chit chat about, wouldn't it be great to, to be able to have a clinical practice where you could provide that support for the industry mm-hmm. that we're missing. And maybe it has to come organically from us. I don't know. Yeah. We're kind of a weird group. <laughs> so a uh, quick moment to plug and give a shout out to a local Rochester group called groundwork counseling. Uh, they are a group of counselors. Um, one of the person that runs the facility, her husband was a paramedic. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the counselors that they have that work for them now are specialists in first responders and PTSD, depression, anxiety, the things we deal with. Oh, that's with, awesome. Which is awesome. So they're in Pittsford uh, Everything's on Pittsburgh. 441. Uh, I highly recommend looking them up, Groundwork Counseling. They've, they've been amazing. I've been lucky enough to work with one of them. And it's nice going and not having to explain the whole thing. The other nice thing is is that they cover our insurance, which is Uh (laughs) a difficult thing that I found. As I was going around, I finally found a a person I liked, and I couldn't afford to go to him. Yeah, because who can afford that on our income? (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, you know, and you know, we got through four or five sessions because that covered the free part of it. And I like she finally started understanding the job, and now it's like here it's two hundred dollars a session now, and I'm like, well, uh, see ya, right? Like, great <laughs> to meet to go you. Else. Gotta go. <laughs> yeah. So there are places it's getting better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe they're trying to grow and get more involved in this world. So it, it is out there, but you're right; it is absolutely lacking everywhere else Mm -hmm. and and even what they have now couldn't support if everyone around here decided to start going after them they're just not big enough you know so there there are opportunities out there but it's incredibly difficult to find when you do find them it's do they even have availability for you because right everyone caseload's full yeah and and can you afford it so you know it's i I applaud anyone looking to go into that world because i couldn't do it Uh, and I think it would be awesome to get more of mm-hmm. us in that side of things. Because not only would I think it'd be good for us as providers, I think if we have people that are educated in that side of things, we'll create better providers for our patients too. Yes. We have folks who are more adept at the, what a social worker does is incapable of. We can help them out. Yeah. Well, so. that's that big dream of having all of these different industries work together in a in a harmonious way, you know, the, the mental health side of things, the medicine side of things, the emergency medicine side of things, you know, having everything someday get to that point where one hand shakes the other and understands, you know, what's going on where, you know, I've walked into a house before and been handed a phone and it's a a rehab counselor. Well, can't you just bring them to rehab? No, that's, that's not something I can do. 
Well, why not? Because I'm an, you know, this is for emergencies. And while I respect the fact that this person is ready to get help, I I can't drive them to a rehab center. I need this job tomorrow. Right. And and so like that, that disconnect of this person having absolutely no idea what it is that I do. And then me being absolutely exacerbated, exasperated goodness. That is a 50 cent word that got stuck. (laughs) But just, you know, that like, why would you think that this was an appropriate thing to ask of me? Yeah, You know, and so kind of learning that it's like that wish I have that at least triage nurses in the ED would ride with us every once in a while. Mm-hmm. So that when you come in and you give report, you don't feel like they're looking at you cross-eyed. Like, why are you here? Mm-hmm. Well, because I can't tell them no. Yes, I know that this may not be something they need to be here for. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's one of the things I tell the students now is like you know they ask like why do I have to go to the ICU? We don't deal with the ICU. I'm like, well, it's because it's important that you see how your care affects their care and and vice versa. And right. How can we make their lives a little easier? And how can we prepare this patient for success once they get up there? And then once they're up there, what happens to them? Right. It's good to know what happens to these folks so that sure. we can you know learn from that as well. And I, I would love to see it kind of flip a little bit both sides too. And, and bring them out with us so they can see what it is that we're doing and why sometimes things aren't perfect because we're just in an environment that isn't as controlled as a hospital, even though that's not terribly controlled either, I'm sure. But, you know, just to increase that interoperability between all of the uh, disciplines that are out there. Sure. I recall walking into a trauma room once with a a patient from an accident and the I want to say it was an orthopedic surgeon. I don't even, some, someone in ortho or trauma or something just kind of scolded me that I didn't have the patient positioned with their feet elevated above their head on the gurney. And I'm like, this is not physically possible. (laughs) My equipment does not allow for this. And they just were horrified (laughs) that I I would dare to transport a patient like this. You know, uh, uh, ma'am, <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love to make everything work perfectly for you. This is just outside of my realm of capabilities. Yeah. And so I, I just walked away thinking I, I would love for this person as, as fast as their knowledge is and as amazing as the things that they can do, come hang out in my world for a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Spend 10 minutes in my shoes just to just to get yeah. an idea. Yeah. Try and figure this out on the side of the road in the rain at dusk. <laughs> on a highway with an angry person that doesn't want to go to the hospital, even though their bones are sticking out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, life in EMS is, it is what it is, right? Right. You know, it's, it's, it comes with its issues. We spent a lot of time talking about what's wrong with EMS though. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really interested in that anymore because we've talked about it. We've talked it to death. Sure. Uh, how can you, Stephanie, and me, Hutch, how do we make things better? As boots on the ground people, what do we do to improve EMS? One of the things that I think you impressed upon the students as they come through the class, um, because it was something that you and I have discussed in the past, is that this whole concept of, again, old school versus new school, there's, there's no reason to haze people as they're coming in. 
There's no reason to look down on the probies because that's not the way EMS works. We're not firefighters. We're not police officers. If you listen closely, you can hear me rolling my eyes at the thought. Right? You know, it's <laughs> it. There's no reason to talk down to someone because they haven't seen the things that you've seen yet. Mm-hmm. And I think continuing that going forward, as you know, I mean, we turn out new EMTs. Oh, what, every eight weeks, 12 weeks. Yeah, it's about, yeah, yeah about every 12 weeks. Yeah. Um, I think that continuing that thought process of, you know, we're here to learn. We're here to teach. You learn something on every shift and, 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 you know, keep it going that way. That's how we make this an environment where we keep learning. You know, medicine doesn't change. It doesn't stay sta- uh, static. It changes all the time. We can't. They stay static in the things that we have in our knowledge base. Mm-hmm. We have to change all the time. We have to adapt. No, you know what? The the kids that the kids that are graduate. <laughs> I mean, really, <laughs> that are graduating yeah, they, from. They do seem to be getting younger and younger. Uh, they do. They do. Or is not, it just that we're getting older? Not what? at all. I don't know. <laughs> not at all. Uh, they do see things differently. Yeah. That's through no fault of their own. Mm-hmm. Our generation is raising this generation in a completely different way than we were raised. We can't expect them to do things the same way that we did. You know, they don't have to learn how to read out of a map book. Yeah. Because they don't even know how to read out of a map because that's just not necessary anymore. Sure. uh, Fall back on it maybe sometimes. However, utilize the tools that we have. Exactly. You know, benefit from those. Don't scoff at it because that's not the way you did it. Okay, great. (laughs) I'm starting to chuckle to myself here. I had a thought the other, not the other day, recently. Uh, you know, the the generation before ours is always like, oh, you you guys just got trophies for everything, and everyone just gets a participation award. And I was like, do you think we were giving them to each other? Right. It was you guys giving them to us. We were kids. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, you guys decided to give us the damn awards. Not now, you're blaming me for receiving it. <laughs> yep, a hundred percent though, right? Like, I, no, I like, just take advantage of the fact that things are changing, and sometimes that change is good. It's a great thing. Like, well, I didn't spend all day on a video game. You're right, you didn't, but you bought that video game, right, for someone else to play. So, and there's. Like value to some of that. There's some, some. There Listen. is some value. <laughs> now, the twelve-year-old teaches me every day that there is less and less value. <laughs> but it, it's it's also that's how they communicate now, right? Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's, they're not going out to play in the street like we did. They're gonna talk through Fortnite or whatever the hell it is. Right. That they're playing. Well, and, you know, you know that's one that's of those. How they're communicating. Yeah, that, that's one of those things I deal with. Well, I can't believe they have a cell phone already. How do you think they talk to their – this is their social development now. Yeah. It's either you adapt or you let your kid, you know – Be the weirdo. Be the weird kid that nobody can hang out with because they can't get a hold of them because, ew, call them? What? Yeah. What if their mom answers the phone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's it's just the fostering that constantly learning environment is, is really important. And – you know, reminding everybody, it's okay to be vulnerable. Yeah. It's okay to not know. Yes. And it's okay to tell everybody you don't know. I've told this story a couple times now, uh, but just last week I was down in Hornell. Uh, we have a couple of their firefighters going through our paramedic class. They test 
their tests start in a couple weeks. So they wanted some extra practice doing oral boards and just going over cardiology, just like last minute, let's try Smart. and s- cram study things in. So I went down to go hang out with them for the day. We're studying cardiology. Uh, while we're hanging out, uh, another student from a different uh, paramedic program came in. He was like, hey, do you mind if I sit in? We just started cardiology. I want to sit down with you guys. And I was like, yeah, please dive in. I'm talking about 12 leads, and I, I don't even remember what the topic was that I was talking about, but I am just, like, super wrong in what I'm explaining <laughs> to them. <laughs> and I'm, like, doing it with such confidence. Like, I'm like, you got to do this, this, and this, and I'm just, like, I'm crushing it. But I am so wrong. Uh, and my three students, they're like, oh, cool, cool. You know, and like, they're just going along because I'm selling it so well. And, like, five minutes in, the new student who has just started cardiology, she raises her hand, and I can tell she's nervous as hell. She doesn't know any of us. Right. She's from a different program. So she's, like, you know, weary. Oh. Of like, how do I? She raises her hand. She goes, uh, I think that's wrong. I was like, I don't know. I've been wrong before. I'm okay with admitting I'm wrong. I'll, we'll look it up, you know. And I'm, like, typing it away. But in my head, I'm thinking, like, I'm right. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no way. And I type it up, and I was like, Oh shit, no, I'm totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, it was just like, I, I felt really awesome about it though. Cause I was like, one, uh, this brand new student had the courage to speak up and say like, I don't think that's right. Can we at least look into it? Like, Which is good. That's awesome. Cause you need that. Exactly. You like, need that. You need that in the moment. Question things and like, not just go along with it. And then on top of that, the courage to do it in a group of strangers with, you know, like, I, I know I come off as kind of bigger and scarier than I really am. And you're with three other people who are kind of like, wow, like they're like super into it. They're at the end of their class. They're basically paramedics already. And for this brand new person to just be like, no, I think that's not right. I'm like, uh, this is fucking awesome. Like I like, could have stood up and applauded her at the moment. No kidding. You know, and it just celebrated the fact that it just takes some real courage and vulnerability to be like, that's wrong. Right. And, then, and then for me to not be like, fuck you. No, I'm right because I'm Hutch. And, you know? And, and like, I was so... Should put that on a pen. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm Hutch. It's a great idea. Uh, merch coming soon. Uh, but I you know, cricket. We'll figure something out. <laughs> but, you know, and, you know, on my side of it, like, I'm okay with it being called out because I know I don't know everything. I've got the world's worst case of imposter syndrome. I have no idea how I ended up where I did. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, yeah, I went, all right, yeah, maybe I am wrong. We looked it up, and then we all learned together. We're never going to forget that thing that I screwed up because we had a great moment like that. It, sure. was, like, it, was, it was awesome. I was so, so excited about it. I think it takes a big person, too, to be happy that they were wrong and admit it because that's definitely one of those things. Again, it's that not to harp on the same thing, but that old school versus new school of I'm right because I've been doing this longer. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, but no. Yeah. And I, I think I, it's something I really started embracing later in life is like, I'm okay with being wrong because I was wrong for a lot of my life. <laughs> like, uh, I had, a, if you had known Tim in his early twenties, uh, we would have hated each other. Oh, if uh, you had known Stephanie in her early twenties. You know, you know and I'm somebody I like, I held super strict conservative values for a long time and Eventually saw through the bullshit and I'm like so far the other way now. <laughs> but you know, like I'm I got there because I started asking questions. Right. Things stopped making sense at one point and I was like, well, I'm not just gonna blindly believe 
this because it's what I've always believed. And I started challenging myself to be like, why don't I think this jives anymore? What right. what is it I truly feel? And as that I that whole adult growth thing, yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah, and unfortunately, I don't see it a lot. I see a lot of people who are just like, this is what I what I am, so I'm going to stay here, and I, that just doesn't. After jive. a while, just staying. It, well, yeah, like it's it just you get too comfortable, and yeah. but I think that's again that's that whole don't know what I want to be when I grow up type of a thing. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I joke around that I started my two year degree in 1998. And what year did we finish paramedic school? 2020? Yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. That would be when I got my two-year degree. <laughs> nice. You know, I, it just... Sometimes the path is not a straight line. <laughs> oh, no. But it is. it was the right path. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. It's... I think that's the most important thing. And I mean, in any part of your life, but definitely in this career job. I mean, I wish we could say career with more confidence. But you know, in this industry is that you just always have to be willing to, to be fluid with it. Yeah. You can listen to a dispatch. I mean, how many times have you heard a dispatch and been like, Oh yeah, sure. That's going to happen. And this is what it's going to be like. And you get there and you're like, Oh, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. You know, like what is it? Your pro wasn't it you with the prolapse rectum story? Yep. Yep. So, I mean, there you have it. You, you think it's going to be one nonsensical thing and you get there and it's like, wow, Something this is wildly different. way more serious than I thought it was or completely the opposite. You know, yeah. I've, how many times have I walked out of the back of the truck with that, you know, the OB kit, like, yes, <laughs> field delivery. And, uh, you know, I get there and it's a 57 year old woman. That's, for certain not pregnant. <laughs> you know, it just, you, you got to be ready to adapt to it. Yeah. So uh, semi-related to that, this is just one of, going to be one of my stranger segues, I think. Uh, you mentioned pregnancy. Uh, you've been in EMS pretty much the entire time you were a mom then, right? For the most part, yeah. And the majority of it. Yeah. How has that affected your care? I, I think- don't get a chance to talk to a lot of parents. Because everybody does this at a younger age. Yeah. They don't wait until their late 30s to start this like I did. <laughs> um, I think, I, I know that a lot of people say, you know, once they've had kids, it makes it harder to do things. Or a lot of people have just decided that this wasn't the career for them any longer because it's difficult. Mm-hmm. I think that it has done nothing but improve. Well, it, it, it is a benefit to my patient care and to my patients. Um I think that there's just a knowledge base as a parent that you can't knock. Um, you know, for example, there was a, a kid covered in a rash. Parents were convinced that they were having an allergic reaction to something. Everybody's panicking. Everyone's freaking out. Well, my kid had had a rash similar before, and it was essentially as, as – common as a cold Mm. and starting to think and talk. And I was like, I feel like that's what this could really be And the ability to explain that to a parent and maybe calm some of their, their panic. It it was invaluable. Mm. And as a matter of fact, the uh, triage nurse kind of looked down on me that this was, that I didn't treat this as an allergic reaction. And it turned out that it, in fact, it was a viral rash. Mm. And, you know, it, it just, that knowledge, it, would it have harmed the child if I had, you know, given them some antihistamines or whatever? No, probably not. However, it still worked out. Right. And, you know, so there's that. I think there's a compassion side that you don't necessarily have to be a parent to develop. 
however it helps. Sure. You know, um, I can kind of see things in a, a different perspective. So I don't think it's ever made it harder for me to do my job, but I think that I've always found it, it helpful. So I've talked to some providers uh, that have said things like, you know, I, I knew after I had a kid, the first pediatric code, I'm gone. Like, that's it. And that basically happened to them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what? It happened. I, I got that pediatric code. It hit too close to home. I'm out. You don't think that that's had that effect on you? You know, the, the, the one pediatric, I've witnessed two pediatric codes. Um, I have not had to lead one as a paramedic. So I can't say, yes, knock on all of the wood that is around. Um, I can't say that for certain that it wouldn't destroy me. Mm-hmm. I can say that the first one that I saw, which was the, the fire, um, I mean, the kid had the same underoos on that my son had on at home type of a situation. But as they were, you know, once we got to the hospital, as they continued to work, I remember my ALS partner looking at me in the trauma bay saying, you don't have to watch this go. And I said, his mom can't be here. She's already gone. I'm going to stay here until this baby's gone because that's what a mom does, you yeah. know. And so I, 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 I don't know, that will always stay with me. And it turned out, I found out days down the road that I actually had a friend, an acquaintance who was related to this child. Mm-hmm. And it allowed me to be able to say, hey, just so you know, you know, they somebody was, they weren't alone when this happened. And that, I, I will be forever grateful that I was able to tell her that. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. I hope that it doesn't ruin me because... I think that that would be a terrible way to have to walk away to have that as one of the last things that you remember about your career. I don't fault anybody for that having to be the reason that they had to walk away because Mm. it's hard. Yeah. You just don't know. Um, I'd like to say that that won't do it for me because I think, like I said, being able to be that parental type person and, and kind of impart that care for that child is yeah. important to me. Yeah. No, that makes that makes total sense. And I, I guess I don't necessarily mean just a code. And I, I can tell just by the way you've been talking about it is, you know, like, I think it's enhanced your ability to care for for people. Mm-hmm. You know, the code was it was a, the extreme example, mm. but you know there there are just certain things that you just don't see anymore. You know, or, or don't want to see anymore. Right. Um, you know, when I see the the kid that has a compound fracture. And you see this terrified mom, and she's like, I have two other kids with me, and I need him to go to the hospital. Yeah. And what I, and I can look at her and be like, listen, I understand, and I will do the best I can to care for this child as though they were my own. Well, you, because you've got to figure this out, and I get that, yeah. and that's okay, you know. Or the poor kid that, you know, whose mom was like really nervous about him getting fentanyl. And she was just like, I just don't know if that's safe. And I'm like, honey, he's the size of an adult. Yeah. His bone is sticking out of his leg. Yeah. He will be okay. Trust me. And the kid looking at me going, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) 
you brought it up. I have to rant about it for a second. This disservice we're doing to fentanyl in the news is making me fucking uh. crazy. Because <laughs> the amount of people who need pain management and won't take it now because the news is telling them that looking at this drug will kill them. Oh, my gosh. No one is going to drop dead because it was in the same room as them. It's not happening. No, and it's never happened. No. <laughs> it's When we're offering it, it's very safe and effective it's good at its job but can we also talk about the macho man that's like oh no i don't need pain meds yeah like yeah. i looked at one guy and i was like listen you have just ruptured both patellar tendons oh. at a trampoline park oh. first of all you should not have been jumping on this trampoline you are an adult let the children do this but i looked at him and i said listen it hurts right now and I haven't moved you yet. I said and the longer you wait to get ahead of this pain, the harder it's going to be yeah. to control. So you should probably let me give you pain meds. I, I I can handle it. I'm sure you can, but should you? Right. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to. Right. You're not impressing me. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and I think I said that to him like you're not doing me any favors. Yeah. And so finally, you know, letting me give it to him by the time we get to the hospital and he's like, "Thank you for talking me into that." <laughs> Yeah, you're welcome. And you're welcome for the second dose when we got here too, bud. <laughs> you know, when the trauma doc walks out and goes, wow, I've never seen somebody do both at the same time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's an impressive injury there. Damn. Just look at him like, your kneecaps should not be there. Damn. <laughs> Trampoline parks are the devil. They are. I'm shocked that any of them get to stay open. I, that they must have like ironclad, you can't sue us rules. <laughs> I think that that is probably the biggest detriment detriment to my children of having a paramedic for a mom is there are some hard, fast rules. Yeah. There are no trampoline parks. It's just not happening. Yep. There are no e-bikes happening. <laughs> We are not doing electric scooters. These things are not happening. Yep, yep. For me, uh, I don't have kids, but uh, uh, no pools. Like, just pools are fucking death traps. Every drowning I've ever been to has always been the same story. I just turned around for a second. And it's like, well, yeah, well, that second was five minutes, and now I'm working this. Right. So, like, uh, pools, oh, God, they just give me the heebie-jeebies. My children uh, quote my husband and I. Uh, my husband's quote that my children always remember is, Always have an extra pair of underwear. You never know when you shit your pants. Thank you. And my children will always respond to me with seizure, coma, death, mom. I know. Seizures, coma, death. Yes, yes. Everything will lead to that if you don't follow mom's rules. That's right. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's a good way. Mm -hmm. uh, well, on that happy note there, uh, <laughs> uh, in the world of seizure, coma, deaths, what are you doing to avoid seizure, coma, death? What's fun for Stephanie? What's what's fun outside of EMS? Currently, uh, we have a we have se we're seasonal campers. Mm -hmm. So I mean, we don't really camp. It's like having a cottage without you know a mortgage, essentially. <laughs> um, but we do that on the weekends. Um, I'm a big reader, and I don't really read anything of great quality. So don't expect like me to tell you that I'm reading. You know. <laughs> Tale of Two Cities. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. no. Uh, it's, a lot of times it's just pure smut. Um, it's brain candy. You know what it's, I mean? It's a checkout. So I've recently learned, my, my wife is a voracious reader. Uh, I, you might read almost as much as she does. <laughs> uh, and, and I know you read a ton, uh, just based on your posts. Of like, <laughs> I finished six books this month, and I'm like, how? The goal for the year is 72. I think I'm five ahead so far. Damn, that's impressive. But you might actually read more than she does. But you also but. have to keep in mind that I take advantage of so libraries, you can do digital books. Yeah. You can do digital audio books. 
And man, sometimes I don't want to listen to music in the car and I will just listen to a book. I've recently discovered audiobooks because I ran out of podcasts. They're fantastic. uh, Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I've read more, well, read in quotes, but I've listened to more books in the last six months than I have in years. So I think it still counts as reading because it still elicits that mental picture and that Mm -hmm. mental processing. You're just not looking at the text on paper. And I've seen a lot of people now do tandem reading where they don't necessarily like translate the the text very well, but they'll They're looking read at the it words while listening while to listening to the audio and actually some of them will highlight the words along as they read. It's hmm. kind of like what was it? Like uh it was there's a thing like that when we were kids that they would do with like little kid books. Like you would get the book with the cassette tape in it. Oh yeah. Do you remember those? I do. Yep. What the hell were those called? I don't know, but I remember Dr. Seuss's ABCs. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow, that's flashing back there. There you go. <laughs> Early 80s, baby, in the 1900s, <laughs> as my children tell me. <laughs> Those bastards. <laughs> uh-huh. Did you have that in the 1900s, Mom? You know. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, so, I read a lot. Um, I do yoga. I have kind of dove back into running just a little bit. Nothing serious like I used to do. But that's, you know. Movement, read. Yeah. Yeah. Listening to any good music. I'm always looking for new music. I listen to the same three bands over and over these days. So <laughs> I just want something um, new. <laughs> uh, let's see. I just went, I mean, it's not new, but I just went to Weezer. Okay. How was that? It was good. This yeah. is me reliving my high school years. I wasn't uh, I've allowed. i Weezer a handful of times. I, was I wasn't sad allowed I didn't high to go to school. <laughs> and high school, I was not allowed concerts. Oh. No, oh, man. I didn't go to my first concert until uh, the summer after I graduated. I saw the Bare Naked Ladies. Nice. Phenomenal show. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I uh, went and saw Weezer. It was great. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, going to see, not the, they're not the Dixie Chicks anymore. They're not the Chicks. They're just the Chicks now. That's yes, right. Because they were, you know, banished by Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Love them even more. Um <laughs> Yeah, so, and I'm taking my son, you're going to love it, I'm taking my son to Pantera. Are you? Yes. That's fun. Yes. Very cool. He took up the drums. He played Beastie Boys for his recital. Nice. Uh, he heard Walk, thought it was a great song. It is a great song. And the tickets popped up on Ticketmaster for 30 bucks for lawn seats, and I'm like, all right, let's go see Pantera. I've been uh, having, I got up to nerd out for a little bit here. Pantera is one of my all-time favorite bands, uh, got me into, like, hardcore heavy music uh but always said like if i could see one band it would be pantera but i can't because they're all dead now and this tour got announced and i was like damn it i want to go but it's not really them and i'm like it's been a huge internal struggle here with like their singers an asshole but i'm not here for their moral you know <laughs> exactly like, sometimes just, you just want to hear the music live yes exactly so, I'm, I'm trying to get over it so that i can just go to the damn show so maybe i'll be tagging along well if you. you're there you know what you find us because we'll uh we'll i'll be there with two 12 year olds <laughs> and one of their moms so that'll be uh yeah it'll be interesting yeah um i'm not i i hear things I'm not really good. Like I envy people like you that can you know, list off the albums and you know, you've always got kind of in my mind, these obscure bands that you're listening to. And I'm like, man, I'm just so not that cool. Like I'm not that cool at all. It reminds me of like in high school and people are like, Oh, that's so mainstream. And I'm like, okay, well I still like no doubt. So I don't know what to tell you. It's 
Because no doubt fucking rules. Well. Who didn't own. They did. I mean. Who didn't own Tragic Kingdom, right? Right. Back in the 1900s. Back in the 1900s. (laughs) I believe uh, Walking into Spiderwebs was the uh, voicemail message on my pager. (laughs) So there you have it. Pagers. What a dumb way to do things. (laughs) Uh, When the kid says to me the other day, you know, I don't like talking to people on the phone. I wish we just had something where all we did was text. (laughs) Let me tell you about the two-way pager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've been there, done that, kid. <sighs> My God. <laughs> Thinking about all the iterations of that going through. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get lost in that tangent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, we're kind of at the end here. All right. We, we've made it. Oh, uh, is it funny story time? It is funny story time. I'm glad you, you know this. So as, as you know, maybe the world doesn't know, I always ask the same question. Tell me a time that you laughed really hard. And it doesn't have to be a good story. That's the that's the caveat, the big asterisk to the whole thing there. Is it just relive a moment that you found super, super funny? I, I kind of have two, but we'll go with the older one. Sure. So my best friend and I have been friends since, geez, probably 2002, 2001, 2002. Went to high school together, but got really close after that. We were at Walmart. It's some ungodly hour, and I'm pretty sure we were half in the bag, uh, and we were digging through, you know, these have the bins, like, in the middle of the aisle. We were digging through this bin looking for something ridiculous. I don't even know what it was. Looking for something because we wanted to get it for her mom, and the music is playing overhead, and her and I are laughing as it is because we're digging through whatever for this thing, and all of a sudden, bagpipe music starts playing. Now, I don't know if you have any Irish heritage, no, no Irish or Scottish. But I Scottish. Love the bagpipes. Okay. Well, in my world, the little bit of Irish heritage that I have, the only time I heard bagpipes, just except for like a parade, were at funerals. Mm. Bagpipes make me cry every time I hear them. Just tears well up, I cry. And I think what we were looking at was like plastic plates or something because these bagpipes start playing and all of a sudden she looks at me and she says oh no and she picks up these plates and starts banging them together and she's like no bagpipes no crying (laughs) and it's like i mean walmart was like 24 hours at the time and i want to say it was probably like 2 33 o'clock in the morning after the bar and she were hanging over the because we're both short we're standing on these metal bins (laughs) hanging over the side laughing, crying because she's trying to stop me from sad crying because randomly there's bagpipes playing at Walmart. So wonderful. Yeah. 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 Those, those bins uh, diving into them and like digging for something at the bottom of them reminded me of when I used to work for media play, Uh, media play, Back in the day, it was like the world's greatest store. Uh, had it wasn't everything. just anime and candy now? Uh, yeah, no, it had it all. It was There was a great book section. There was an awesome mm-hmm. video game section, movies, music. Uh, I, I miss that store so much. Uh, there used to have the big bins of DVDs where they would just like throw in all the shit that no one wanted mm-hmm. for five bucks and you could sort through it. And I remember <laughs> as just an idiot employee of that place uh the dvds we always had an adult section in the back and we would just take like random ones out of that and pop it into the bin just so you could see like mom and dad sifting through the bin and then find like you know some horrific porno hiding in this (laughs) and it used to bring me such joy to see their faces light up as as they would be like oh my god anal gangbang one (laughs) 
<laughs> such an anarchist. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, uh and uh you know, I can't think of a better way to say goodbye than the angle game. <laughs> and there you have it, folks. That's EMS. <laughs> So uh, with that, thank you, one, for taking time out of your Sunday uh, to come and hang out, uh, although it might have been just a welcome escape for you at this point. Yeah, well. But, you know, carving time out of your, out of a busy day to come and have a chat about this world. Well, uh, I'm I appreciate it. honored that you asked me to come, being that you don't even like us people anyways. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how like, I don't like you guys, but I, I do this. Right. You spend extra time. Yeah. And you shape the, the minds of the future. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> but seriously, thank you very much for coming. I, I appreciate you as a human and as a provider and as somebody that will come to respect over the years. Aww. It's, it's, uh, I, 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 this is just a veiled attempt at me talking to people that I, I really like. How often do you get a chance to sit down and have a chat?